Dear Heavenly Father, we just want to say thank you for what you're doing in our hearts and lives. And Lord, want to say thank you for the many blessings that you have given us. Answered prayer. Lord, just daily health and strength to serve you. And Lord, we just want to say thank you once again for the unseen things, the things that maybe we can't even share. But Lord, evidences that you are working in our lives. We thank you for your goodness and your grace, the encouragement you give us one another by being in church together. And Lord, we just want to thank you for being a loving and caring God. In your name we pray. Amen. See you later. All right. The rest of us, let's take our Bibles. And I'd like to go to John chapter 4. I've been debating on this actually for several weeks. And uh, just some questions from one of our members prompted me and said, well, maybe, maybe this would be good material for us to review again. And uh, we haven't done this in several years, actually. And uh, just to spend the next few Sunday nights on talking about how to witness to our friends and our family. It's just uh, something that we need to keep in mind, something that we need to review from time to time. And uh, uh, we're just going to, by God's grace, take the next few uh, Sunday nights, if we can, and, of course, the, the, the uh, place that I like to start, uh, it's, it's one of my favorite, favorite stories in the whole Bible, is first, it's the Gospel of John, chapter 4. The Gospel of John, chapter 4. And uh, this, of course, is the story of the woman at the well. And uh, what we're going to do is just walk through the story here. This is uh, as... Clearly and as simply as you can find anywhere in the Bible, Jesus making an opportunity to tell someone about himself. That's what witnessing is. It's simply telling people about Jesus. And we've been going through Acts in our uh, Sunday school time, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Ye shall be witnesses. Not Jehovah's Witnesses, but witnesses unto me. And um, if there's anything that is uh, needed is, is for our church to be witnessing. Uh, that's how we get new people coming in. And I, I will be the first to tell you, uh, I had a student from Hartland call up and he says, well, he said, I'm supposed to do an interview of a pastor and Brother Cope suggested you. And so... Uh, Brother Mike got one the week before. I think Brother Copes probably suggested Brother Mike as well uh, for another student. And, uh, and he said, uh, tell me about your outreach. And I said, you know, he said, it doesn't make a bit of sense. And there was silence on the phone. I said, you know, we've been passing out tracts on the street. I said, we've passed out more than a million tracts on the streets of Astoria, period. Uh, that doesn't count the tracks that have gone other places. As some of you remember when Brother Dave was here, we had that old printing press. And, and even after he left, we, we printed a million tracks on that press, let alone all the stuff that we get now. And, and uh, the thing that is so hilarious is with the changes in printing, we can get four color both side tracks 
printed for us, shipped to us cheaper than we could print two-color tracks on our own machine in the basement. And, of course, Brother Dave never charged us a penny for printing. Uh, but uh, we, we have passed out, uh, who knows how many gospel tracks. I, I don't even keep count. That doesn't count the John and Romans and, and the other booklets and, and things that we have passed out over the years. And uh, Sunday morning, this morning, we had 90 people. Does that make sense? And uh, we've done a lot of several different things. Our our main effort has always been in the distribution of gospel tracts. Of course, uh, if you go to our website, you'll get the gospel there as, as clearly and as simply as it can be presented. And uh, we've done uh, uh, quite a bit in the early years uh, street preaching and and. Uh, we uh, we need to get that out again, but the neighborhood has changed. People have changed. It used to be that people would stop for five or ten minutes. I mean, when we first started, we had more people. I preached to more people on the street than I did in the church. Uh, there were several street meetings down here on 30th Avenue where we'd have 25, 30 people gathered around the old van. Most of you don't remember. Miss Mariana remembers the big old ugly van, don't you? And uh, she even rode in it a couple of times. And uh, and we would have sometimes 25, 30 people on the sidewalk standing there for five, seven minutes listening to a gospel presentation. Uh, some of you will remember recently, about a year ago or so, we went down Steinway Street several times on Saturdays and didn't get one person to even stop and pay attention. And, and so we've, we've got to adjust our methods... But we're not going to adjust getting the gospel out. Uh, we're not going to change the message. Um, and, and this is something that we, we have patterned after this passage right here. Jesus made an opportunity to talk to this woman about her soul. And so let's read the story here. John chapter 4. And uh, I, I love this verse. If you don't have this verse memorized, you should memorize this verse. And that is chapter 4. And he must needs go through Samaria. Do you get that? He must needs. Now, if you need something, that's important. If you must need it, uh, how important is that? This, Jesus said this was imperative. That his trip through Samaria, uh, nothing was going to deter him. Nothing was going to delay this thing. He had an appointment. And if you've ever been here on Saturday morning, uh, I don't know that if, if I'm at visitation, I pray. I'll tell you, I pray for divine appointments. I pray that we will run into people that God has already been doing a work in their heart. But... There's, there's other uh, parts of witnessing. Part of that, uh, the whole thing of witnessing is taking away people's excuses for not having the gospel. I, I don't know how many people, but I pray that it's going to be a vast majority of those that stand uh, before God on the wrong side at the great white throne judgment seat. And they're going to say, nobody told me. 
And my prayer is that there'll be more than one that'll say, <coughs> excuse me, that'll say, that God will look at them or an angel will stand there and say, I got a whole stack of tracts from Open Door Bible Baptist Church. It's on their dresser. Or that they threw away in the trash can. It's important. The tracks that get thrown away are still important. Amen? And uh, so we're going to be faithful and we're going to do that as much as we can. In fact, Andrew just put in an order for, what, 20,000 more? 10,000 more. And so uh, we'll get those in uh, the next week or two. And uh, please, please avail yourself. But let's... uh, Let's get into our story. And he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well. And it was about the sixth hour, about noon. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. First disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, <clears throat> thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus saith unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that saidst thou truly. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither worship in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem. Worship the Father. When ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and the truth. <clears throat> for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, 
which is called Christ, when he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. Excuse me. So this is the story of Jesus witnessing to the woman at the well. At this point, she leaves and heads into the city. And and we notice a couple of things. Jesus made an opportunity here. Now, of course, he is God. He knew that this woman would be there at noon. He sat on the well. He waited. Now, we have to be very careful that we do not allow human manipulation to enter into our witnessing. I have been in situations, every so often I'll get a phone call, and I've grown a little skeptic over the years. You'll have to forgive me, but... um, And someone will say, well, my brother lives in New York City. Would you go witness to him? I said, well, sure. That's what I used to say. (laughs) And uh, now I get to the point to where I usually ask the question, am I going to take a cussing that you deserve? Uh, because that's happened more than once. And uh, I said, I don't mind being uh, cursed at. That that doesn't bother me if I'm witnessing for Christ. But if they're cursing me because of their distaste for you and what you've done in their life, then you deserve that, not me. Uh, I'm not going to make it even more difficult for that person to get saved because of what you've already done. We have to be careful about these things. And I'll just tell you one story. I uh, was called on the phone. He says, my nephew is dying of brain cancer uh, in Manhattan. Will you go see him? And, and I just asked him the question. I said, is, if I, he said, if I mention your name, am I going to uh, make everybody there angry at me? He says, oh, don't use my name. I said, I'm not going to go. If I can't use your name, just not going to do it. That's, that's not honest. It's, it's not an accident. It's you manipulating the events. And uh, anyway, make a long story short, I went. I knocked on the door, and a lady came to the door. And it was actually the sister of, of the man who had called me. And we'll just call him Ronnie tonight. I don't think that was his name, but uh, if it was it doesn't matter none of you know who he is i don't know who he is if he walked in the back door if he's sitting in the auditorium i wouldn't have any idea who the man was anyway knocked on the door and i said listen my name's pete montoro i'm a pastor i said ronnie called me and asked me to come visit and she says oh we don't need that tonight i said ma'am i'm just a simple gospel preacher i'm i'm not here cause it can i pray for for your son and she said you know, that'd be nice. Why don't you come on in? And so I came in, and there he was laying in a bed. He, he was to an advanced stage of cancer where he could no longer talk, uh, couldn't really see. The light had to be turned way down low. Uh, bright lights bothered him. And, and uh, I just called his name, and I said, Ronnie, uh, or uh, the boy's name in the bed, I don't remember his name either at this point, and I just said, 
Uh, I've come here. I'm a preacher. Uh, I've come to pray for you tonight. Would it be okay to pray for you? And uh, he, he made a notion, nodded his head up and down. And I looked at his mother. I said, is it okay to pray? She says, yeah, pray. So we, we prayed for a few minutes. And then I looked at the mother and I just simply said, would you mind if I went over a few Bible verses with, with your son? And, and uh, she said, ask him. And so I said, now, Ronnie, I'd like to share with you the gospel, how a person can know they're saved. Would you mind if I did that? And he nodded his head up and down. And make a long story short, we went the whole way through the gospel and, and explained to him what a sinner was and how to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I said, now, listen uh, the, it's, it's not the words you say, it's believing on the Lord Jesus Christ that saves you. I said, do you want to believe on the Lord tonight? And he shook his head up and down. And I said, you don't have to pray out loud. I said, you have to pray to God. I said, but I can give you the words, but the words aren't a magical formula. It's not, a, it's not another prayer on the rosary chain here. This is something that you're directly talking to God. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? And he nodded his head up and down, and he prayed, and he asked Jesus to save him. And I have every hope to see this young man died before he was 30 years old. I hope to see him on the right side of eternity. But you see, manipulation, things that are done the wrong way, made it very difficult for me to get in the house. After he died, his mother actually called me from Ohio where she lived and said, you know, I, I got thinking about what you did and I just wanted to call you and let you know that he's home in heaven and I just want to thank you for being kind and coming over and spending that time with my son. And, and that really the only contact I ever had with this young man. I've been other places where, oh, Uncle George sent you, didn't he? I'm going, I don't know. Uh, let me think here. What was the man's name? And I gave him the name and he says, Oh, no, that's not his name. It was Uncle George. He was lying to you like he has to us. And, and I'm sitting here going, you know. I said, I'm sorry. I said, I didn't, I didn't check it out anymore. I, I'm not here to antagonize you in any way. And I, I apologize for whoever Uncle George is. Uh, and his terrible attitude, because that's not in the Bible. Beating people up is not a way to give them the gospel. Now, Jesus was a little less than gentle with the woman at the well, was he not? But there was no manipulation involved here. She came to get water, and he simply asked her for a drink. You know, there were barriers between the Jews and the Samaritans. There was years and centuries of hatred. And if, if I can say this, there are sometimes people when you try to pass out a track, they won't take it because of the color of my skin or the, the way that I look or whatever. Uh, we we want to be careful that we don't be unnecessarily offensive, but, you know, some people are just looking to be offended. You ever met anybody like that? You know what the best thing to do is? Let them be and get out of there. Amen? 
you're not going to accomplish anything by nailing them to a wall and trying to talk to them when they're not going to listen. But Jesus broke through those barriers of, of ethnic strife and hatred. He, he made contact. He just simply said, can I have a drink? And she's amazed. She said, wait a minute, you're a Jewish man. Why do you want a drink from me? And Jesus said, if you knew who I was, you'd be asking me for a drink. Well, that got her attention, didn't it? And some people have used this to build all kinds of slick, soul-winning campaigns off of it. That's not what Jesus was doing. I remember uh, I actually sat in the class and the, the guy was teaching. He says, now, he says, when you knock on the door, he said, start looking around. He said, if they have a little sign that says, home of a pampered poodle, he says, you start talking about poodles. And if you see flowers in the window, you start talking about flowers. He said, you see something that they like. And he said, you start talking about that. And eventually you'll get to talk about the gospel. And I'm going, that sounds like salesmanship to me. How about you? I don't, I don't like trying to trick people into listening to the gospel. When we did our street preaching, we would do painting on the board. And one of the things that I was always careful about. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. We're here from the Open Door Bible Baptist Church. Or if we were in Greenpoint, North Brooklyn Baptist Church. Or in... And in Brooklyn, six, uh, Mount Calvary Bible Baptist Church. We've been in different places, and and uh, even when we went down for the Olympics in um, in Atlanta years ago, I took my paintboard and stuff. Uh, I think that was what was that, 1996 or something like that. And uh, and uh, I, I would always introduce myself as from the church because I want people to know. We're not trying to trick you into hearing about religion. If you want to pass on, that is your prerogative. We're not going to slow you down. But if you want to hear, and most of the time at the Olympics, you know what? We got people to stop and listen. There are other church groups passing out tracks. Uh, wow, this is pretty neat. Could we use this? And I'm sitting there going... Uh, <clears throat> You know, uh, you can go online and get a board and all that. I'll tell you where to get it. But um, the most effective witnessing is places where God is already sending you. It's places where you have to go. I got an opportunity to witness to several people in my asbestos training class. And uh, actually, one of the teachers, uh, I said, listen, I, I need, we've got this job. We've got a, a 5,000 square feet of asbestos tile on the roof that we have to abate. And uh, uh, I can't get the license to do it all myself. We've got to find somebody to help us here. And so, the professor said, give me, a uh, teacher said, give me uh, several of your cards there. So, I gave him four gospel tracts. And... Uh, uh, I, he says, I'll be in contact with you. And I said, I'm looking forward to it. That's one of the reasons I took the class is because I knew I would meet people who are in the trade. 
who know their business and, and who might just be a little sympathetic toward our cause. And you pray about that. I've got a phone call supposed to come in from a guy named Serge, a uh, Polish man. And, uh, but he's one of the contractors that was a friend of one of the teachers. And he said, listen, he says, are you union, non-union? I said, non-union. I said, we can't afford union rates. Sorry. Sorry, Henry. Uh, but uh, uh, he said, oh, great. He says, you'll love Serge. Serge is non-union. Serge will give you a great price. So you, you pray about that. I would certainly much rather have Serge running around on the roof than me running around on the roof. Uh, so, uh, but I'd love to see Brother Mike on the roof. Amen? <laughs> no. Just teasing. If Stephen were here, he'd be first in line. But that's why he's at Bible college. <laughs> so, anyway, back to our subject. You have to go places. You have to be places. You have to be around people. Jesus had to travel to Galilee. He decided to take a different route so he could make opportunity to talk to this person. Jesus didn't beat around the bush. He didn't manipulate anything. He said, if you knew who I was, you'd be asking me to drink. And she said, give me this water. Now, what is the first thing that Jesus addressed as soon as she presented any interest in the gospel at all? He dealt with the issue of her sin. And you know what? That's not in Dale Carnegie's book on how to win friends and influence people. You'll never hear Mr. Olstein talking about how to deal with sin in the lives of people that you're talking to. But I want to challenge you, if people aren't willing to deal with their sin, you cannot lead them to the Lord. The sin problem is what makes us miss heaven and hell. And uh, I wish I could remember the, enough about the sermon to get it, but a friend of mine, Rich Farinella, uh, Brother Mike was a student at this time, preached an incredible sermon on conviction one, one year at uh, Heartland uh, at the, uh, I think it was the Home Missions Conference, back when it was in the gym. And uh, he talked about, as a young man, being taken around by this uh, evangelist who, whose thing was soul winning. And he said he would just go around, and the preacher said, I want you to travel with Brother So-and-so and take him around, and gave him a whole list of people. And he said the guy would go in and talk for three or four minutes, he said, and then just leave. And he'd go to the next guy and talk three or four minutes and just leave. And, and Rich was going, wow, what is this? He's not witnessing. He's not giving the gospel to anybody. He said, finally, they got to this one guy. He was an old biker, Vietnam vet kind of guy and really rough and mean. And he said, the guy just kept talking, kept talking. He said, pretty soon that rough old man tears started running down his face. And he said, we took time to lead that man to the Lord that day. And he said, when it was all done, he said, what, what happened? He said, we stopped, made all those visits. You never even get, got off first base with the gospel. And they, He said, conviction, brother. You've got to know how to look for it. Are people willing to deal with their sin? If they're not willing to deal with their sin, you cannot 
witness to them. Because sin is the whole reason we need to get saved. Have you ever met anybody that didn't believe they were a sinner? I have. Then what do you do with somebody like that? Nothing. You see, this woman was willing to have her sin dealt with. And then Jesus explained to her that he is the Messiah. You know, that's where it ends right there. It doesn't go on. It says, Jesus said unto her, saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, What seekest thou or why talkest thou with her? The woman then left the water pot and went her way into the city. So what we have going on here is just as Jesus says, I am the Messiah. The disciples walk up and they're like, what are you talking? Talking to her? A woman of Samaria? But none of them say a word. And the woman just leaves the water pot at the well and runs back into the city and the disciples are still standing there. What's going on? You know, Jesus had finished his witness. And this woman had believed. You know how we know that she believed? The first thing she did was she went back and told somebody else. Let me ask you, how much did uh, this woman at the well, of which we are never even given her name, how much did she understand about the atoning work that Jesus would do on the cross? Absolutely nothing. The disciples didn't even understand that at this point. How much did this woman understand about anything? She was trained as a Samaritan. You know how the Samaritans carried the scrolls? They had a very corrupt copy of the Old Testament called the Samaritan Pentateuch. Uh, which has been preserved in all of its corruption down through the centuries. But the priest who would carry the Pentateuch would take a veil and put it over his head so he couldn't see. And then he would hold the Pentateuch and, and walk wherever he was supposed to walk blind. I mean, it's amazing how much truth is pictured in false religion sometimes. But... That's the only religion this woman knew. She wasn't allowed to worship at the temple in Jerusalem. They wouldn't have her down there. But she knew one thing. Jesus is Messiah. You know what? That's all you need to know. Amen? How many of you remember the publican's prayer? God... Be merciful to me, a sinner. You know, over here in Manhattan, 
trying to remember the year. It was in the mid-1800s, 1872, I believe. We had the, it's now called the New York City Rescue Mission. It used to be called the Jerry McCauley Mission. And uh, Jerry McCauley was an alcoholic, a, a criminal. Um, he had been sent to Sing Sing Prison for, for many, many years. He got saved. And because of the change in his life, his sentence was commuted. And he was sent down here. Uh, not sent, but he came down here to the streets in New York City to witness to people who were like him, like he used to be, held in the bondage of alcohol and drugs and all of the things that were out there. And he said he would walk up at the and walk through the crowd that had gathered there at the altar at the end of the night, and he would say, you need to pray the same prayer I did. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. You know, it's just that simple to get saved. You know what makes it difficult for people to get saved? Is their religion? Is their good deeds? And Jesus had to deal with that. Jesus wasn't even kind when he said, Ye worship, ye know not what. He says, You have no idea what you worship. You know, I've had that time over several time uh, opportunities over the years. People come and they'll start talking and and we'll get into the gospel, then they'll bring up the subject of their religion. And I'll simply say, what hope do you have in your religion of eternal life? Well, um, well, the priest tells me if I... Okay, well, the priest tells you these. I said, but how do you know? I said, the Bible tells us that these things have been written that ye might believe on the name of the Son of God and that ye might know that ye have eternal life. I didn't quote that perfectly, First John 5. I said, if you don't know, what kind of religion do you have? The Bible was written so you could know. Not based upon your feelings, not based upon your uh, premonitions or your convictions in your heart but based on the very words of God. You see, if we're going to witness to people, we've got to understand a couple of things. Number one, we've got to make contact with people. We've got to talk to people who are willing to be talked to. You know, one of the things in New York City is you're never going to run out of people to say no. Amen? Uh, you just keep being faithful. You just keep witnessing as God gives you opportunity. You've got to deal with the issue of sin. You know one of the best ways to deal with the issue of sin? Is the Ten Commandments. That's what they're there for. There are schoolmaster Galatians to bring us to Christ. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. How many times have you disagreed with God? Well, you just broke the first commandment. In fact, you can't break any of the other nine until you break the first one first. 
you break it every time you break one of the others. Because you put yourself in the place of God and usurp and rebel against his authority in breaking the other commandments. Does everybody see that? How could you not have another God before you and bow down and worship something else? How many people worship their career or some position or money or power than, than they would God? How many people have thrown away their lives and their children and, and everything that was dear to them so they could pursue some career of some kind? Let me tell you something. The Ten Commandments will convict us of our sin. Then we've got to get past false religion. And we need to be as kind as we can. Not necessarily offensive, but I've asked people, I said, listen, how long have you been fill in the blank? How long have you been going to the Catholic Church? Thirty some years. And when is the last time you heard... Somebody take the Bible and show you what I just showed you. Well, never. Well, isn't what I'm showing you from the Bible? Sometimes you get a smirk and you say, well, that's the Protestant Bible. I said, no, it's not. It's the Baptist Bible. It's not a Protestant Bible. It doesn't belong to them. I said, give me a Catholic Bible. I'll show you the same words in the Catholic Bible. Do you know that the Douay-Rheims, the standard Catholic Bible, is closer to your King James than the NIV is? And so, we deal with religion. Because for a person to get saved, just what happened here in the story, you must come to Jesus with your sin and believe that He is the only one that can forgive it. It's just that simple. That's what witnessing is. That's what Jesus did. And because of his witness to this woman, he had an opportunity to witness to the whole town. And I I like what they say here. Let's... um, Look at verse 39. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified, He told me all that ever I did. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. And said unto the woman, Now we believe not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that this indeed is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. That's the story. That's how Jesus witnessed to the woman at the well. And I just have to believe that if you would pray... And ask God to give you an opportunity to witness this week to someone that God would answer that prayer. How many of you believe that God would answer that prayer? 
I believe they would. But but you got to pray. You know, the best way to go soul winning, the Bible says, go ye, therefore. You know what? That's a plural pronoun. That's one of the reasons I love my King James Bible. If he was saying singular, he would say, go thee, therefore. In modern English, it would just be you either way. And you would have to decide what the context is, but your Bible doesn't allow you uh, any room to choose which direction. It says, go ye, therefore. Jesus was talking to the church. Your witnessing efforts ought to be through your church. It ought to, and it doesn't mean you can only witness on Saturday morning and Wednesday night, or only witness if you have a church track in your pocket. But what it means is that you ought to be in contact with other Christians that are right here in this room, and you ought to have somebody to go with that's part of the church. And you ought to go, and you ought to be, give a witness. To the Lord Jesus Christ. Because how many of you believed the gospel the first time you heard it? Do we have anybody here? The first time somebody talked to you about Jesus, you got saved. Okay, see a couple of hands there. It, it does happen. But how many of you needed to hear the gospel ten times or more before you got saved? And my hands up. I, I, was, I was raised in church. It took a while for it to penetrate. You see, that's where church comes in. Is anybody can pray a prayer. But it's that repeated preaching of the gospel that does the work in the heart. And many times someone will come. Remember Brother Uichi's story. It was almost 18 months, I think. Huh? Yeah, 18 months. Every Sunday morning he was here. Then he got saved. And he's never left. Amen? That's what we want. You see, it takes the preaching to wear away ourself and to peel back the layers of deception and self-deception. It's not the preacher. It's the Word of God. We've got to be faithful, and we've got to be simple, and we've got to keep at it. And if you can't go during any of the regular times, you get with Andrew and I, and we'll work out a time, and we'll try to find a partner for you so that you don't go alone. It's important. Um, I don't know how else to do this, but I just call them Lone Ranger Christians. You're going to meet them. No church, no fellowship, no nothing, but they're going to set the whole world straight. Let me tell you, they do a lot of damage. It's not go thee, it's go ye. And you go to places where you normally go. You go to places where God will send you. And you're going to meet people. 
You've got to deal with the issue of personal sin. You've got to deal with the issue of false religion. When a person understands that they have sinned and that Jesus Christ's finished work on the cross is their only hope, then a person can get saved. Amen? It's just that simple. Now, let's bow our heads and I'd just like you to How many people would say, Pastor, I'm going to pray with you that God would give me an opportunity to share the gospel with someone this week. Would you just slip up a hand and say, I'm going to pray this week that God will give me an opportunity to share the gospel with someone. Thank you very much. All over the auditorium. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you. You saw those hands were raised. And Lord, we ask that you would help us. Lord, we are so weak and so ignorant and so unable to do anything that you would have us to do. But Lord, we pray that you would give us opportunities to tell people about you. And Lord, you would give us the knowledge of the Holy Spirit working in our lives and in the lives of the people to whom we are speaking. Help us to be faithful to your word. Lord, It is so easy to be offensive. The gospel is offensive. But Lord, help us to present the truth in a way that will help people find you. In Jesus' name we pray. Before we finish that prayer, if you'd like to just take a moment and slip out of your seat and Spend a moment or two at the altar. The altar's open. Then we'll get into our prayer time tonight.